Amen. Amen. Well, I, I tell you, I, I would just love to be able to share the story of Christmas with you today. Uh, last week, we talked about the most painful part of the Christmas story. The Christmas story is not without pain. Just like many of our stories are not without pain. That There are extremely difficult and challenging moments that, that precede the joy of hope for us many times. And in the Christmas story, we see this difficult moment of pain followed by an incredible season of hope. And we talked about what the pain was last week. And today, I want to talk about what the hope is. Today is a day for us to turn our attention, our hearts, our eyes, and our minds towards the hope of Christmas Day. And so let me read Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the story of today, of Christmas. In that small town 2,000 years ago, hope was born and laid to rest in a manger. I was reading through this chapter, Luke chapter 2. And, uh, what, what, you know, every year a pastor knows he's going to preach a Christmas Eve service. And every year, Luke chapter 2 remains. You know, there it is. We got we to gotta look at it from every angle and study it and try to find the thing, you know. What are we going to bring this year? And what's it going to be as we communicate a, a fresh truth from this ancient story? And I think that sometimes, instead of a fresh truth, what we need is a reminder of an ancient hope. And I was looking at this story, and what stuck out to me this time was verse 8. And it says this, In the same region, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now I've hashed out the back 
story of the shepherds before. They were considered unclean, unworthy, the bottom of the social ladder, the very least deserving of anyone to go and worship before the Messiah. The angels appearing to shepherds specifically is a declaration of the humility of Jesus and the compassion of God to not just certain people, but to all mankind. No matter who you are, you belong here. I love that message. That's not what I want to highlight today. What struck me was this phrase, in the same region. It's Christmas. It's the biggest day in history since creation. This is the second biggest day since the moment that God spoke the world into being. Since he said, let there be light. This is the biggest day in all of history. The maker, the creator, God himself, the word who was with God and also was God, poured himself into a human body and was born as a a baby to a poor family in a small town outside of Jerusalem. The very Son of God is now resting in a stable in a feeding trough. The most amazing moment in all of human history, and yet nobody, not even those close by, had any idea how close they were to the greatest hope they could ever encounter. These shepherds were in Israel only a few miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem is about five miles from Jerusalem, and these shepherds were Jewish, which means that for 400 years they had not heard a single word from a prophet of God, and they were in this great anxious anticipation of the Messiah. For 400 years, that was all they really thought about. There was this period where Israel was exiled, and there were a lot of prophets before that talking about the exile, and then this exile happened, and after that, there was a good many prophets that came and spoke about the Messiah that would come, and then they stopped. And for 400 years, there was no prophet of God, no word from God, nobody heard about anything else from God. And the last time in Israel's history that that happened was when they were slaves in Israel for almost the exact same period of time. This 400 years of silence. And during that 400 years, they really just thought about one thing. The Messiah is coming. Deliverance is coming. Freedom is coming. Joy is coming. Peace is coming. It was all they talked about at church. They talked about the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah was the topic of every dinner table conversation on the Sabbath. At the Sabbath time, they would all gather together and they had ritual prayers asking God to send the Messiah. And then they would sit together at those same tables and talk about the joy that was going to come when the Messiah arrived. That was, this was the central topic of their lives. The coming of the Messiah. These people longed for this Messiah. He was the only hope they held on to some days. These were dark times. The Roman government had taken over Jerusalem a generation prior and taken over Judea and This was not always a favorable condition for these people. They were treated as less than. They were treated as a fife nation. They were not always uh, seen the same light as the Roman citizens that would come and go. And It was a hard, hard moment for them. There were days the only hope that they could hold on to was this hope of a coming Messiah. And 
there he was in a manger in Bethlehem. He had finally come. And they had no idea. Can you imagine being so close to hope only to have no idea that it was already here? Just waiting for you to take hold. And of all the people that could have known on that night that the very moment they'd waited generations for had arrived, it was shepherds. Hope had come and it was nearby. And these shepherds, even though they were in the same region, they never would have known. These guys would have been the last people to know. They didn't go to synagogue each Sabbath like most Jewish people did. They would go for weeks being out in the field tending the sheep, and then they would come back and go through a 10-day cleansing ritual before they were allowed to go and worship. They would have literally been the last people to know about this hope that waited for them nearby. So why did these shepherds know? Why were they the first to know? Because they were told. And they were told in spectacular fashion. Angels and singing and blinding lights. And so they believed. And they were near to this hope, but they couldn't yet see it. They were told about it, and then they believed it. I wonder how many people the shepherds passed by on the way to see Jesus who were in their beds sleeping or sitting around their dinner tables talking about the coming of the Messiah, fully unaware of the hope they were missing out on. I wonder how many people were desperately waiting and hoping and expecting for this hope to come, this change to come, this freedom to come, who had no idea that already he lay in a stable right there in Bethlehem. I wonder how many people right now are so close to hope only to have no idea that he is waiting for them. I wonder how many just need to be told. Isaiah the prophet wrote many prophecies about the coming of Jesus so that we would be prepared. He started telling us what to look for 700 years before the birth of Jesus. He wrote in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that this was fulfilled through Mary. We're told explicitly through the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, he tells us who this Messiah is going to be and what we can expect and really what his nature would be. He says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is one of the prophecies that tells us that Jesus would be born in this line of David, his rightful heir and the fulfillment of a promise that God made to David. We see another prophecy about that in Isaiah chapter 11. It says a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. And from his roots a branch will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. 
The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah is telling us that in the line of David is going to come a very different kind of king. God told David one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That was a thousand years before Jesus would be born. And for a few hundred years, the human line of David carried on. You can read about it in 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. But in 586 B.C., that line was broken when the Babylonians invaded and exiled Israel and took over rule. And from there, it was the Babylonian rule and then the Persian rule and then the Greek rule and then the Roman rule. And the Romans would establish a new king, but it was a, a political puppet. King Herod, who we read about in this Christmas story, King Herod was not a real Jewish king. He was just placed there. But here in Bethlehem, the line of David is carried on and continued as was foretold. For hundreds of years, people had no idea that God would fulfill this promise through the coming of Jesus. They just had a hope. And these shepherds, just a short distance away, they had no idea that all this ancient prophecy was being fulfilled in the town next to them until they were told. And when they were told, they responded in three ways. First, they believed. They got up right away. They left the sheep. They went to find the baby. Then they told everyone what they knew. And honestly, what they knew was not much. I think so often we may believe in this hope. We may believe in these words. And we don't tell anyone because we think we're not qualified to tell anyone. We don't know enough. But these shepherds didn't even go to church every week, you guys. And yet they knew enough. They knew that peace had come. Hope had come. Joy had come. And that it had even come for someone like them. And then they worshipped. Because how else do you respond when you find the Messiah, the one you've waited all of your life for, when you discover that the very creator of the universe has come for you? We respond in worship. I read this story, and I just can't help but think about all the people who are around them, around these shepherds, around this stable, who never got the chance to hear. My heart breaks for them. I just can't imagine being that close to hope and not knowing it was there. But here's the reality. Some of you in this room today are that close to hope and you do not realize it. Some of you have been aware of God your whole life. You've known stories, you've heard reports, but you didn't know that all the stories were for you. Maybe you thought God was out of reach or out of touch that he was some distant being that didn't really care about you. Or maybe you thought that you were not worthy of God's love. Maybe you thought that your actions had made you unworthy of God's love. And you were so close to the hope of Jesus, but unaware. Isaiah didn't just prophesy about the birth of Jesus. He also told us exactly what Jesus would do for us. In Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus came to show us a life of humility. That even the maker of the universe would come and live a simple life with simple people. He would be known as the son of a carpenter, a builder, an apprentice to the builder, to the carpenter. From a a town that nobody expected much out of called Nazareth where they would eventually settle after Bethlehem in Egypt. He would have nothing about him that would draw people to him. But every word that he spoke was a word of hope. Verse 4 says, Surely... He took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Those angels declared peace on earth to all people. But what we didn't realize, what the shepherds didn't realize, what they didn't understand at the time was that the peace that he came to give us was going to be bought and paid for at a price. And that price would be the very Son of God himself. 700 years before he came, Isaiah told us. He told us that he was coming, that he would be unassuming, that he would be kind, that he would show us how to love and how to love well, that he would show us how to live a life not for ourselves but for others, that he would teach us how to be better at loving the people around us through his example. But he would also know that we would never be able to bridge the gap on our own. And because of that, he would set himself up as the only one who could make that gap closed for us, as the bridge for it, as the one that would bring us into true, everlasting peace. The only one who could. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You and I today, we're not like the villagers in Bethlehem or those who slept nearby. We don't sit close to where hope lives, but hear nothing of it. Maybe that was you before you came in here this morning, but not anymore. Today, you and I are like the shepherds. We're here at the edge of hope on Christmas Eve. And I want you to know exactly who was born in that stable in Bethlehem. Unlike the shepherds, we don't just have a little piece of this good news. Because of His mercy and goodness and grace, God has given us access to the greatest story ever told whenever we want it. It's all written in the pages of the powerful Word of God. He is the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He came into the world in humility, having nothing about Him that should attract us to Him. He lived His life humbly so that we could follow in His example. And He took upon Himself all of our sin, our transgressions, our iniquity. He did what we could never do. He removed our sin, every mistake, everything both intentional and unintentional that we have ever done that would hurt people so that we could be His. 
and be with him for all of eternity in paradise. Isaiah, in his final prophecy about the Christ in Isaiah 61, he wrote out the mission statement for exactly what Jesus would do while he was here on this earth. And Jesus in his grown state and ministry, he would walk into the synagogue in his hometown and they would ask him to read. And he would open up the scroll to Isaiah chapter 61. You can see it in Luke 4. And he read it aloud and said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated over generations. This is the work He is doing today. He can heal your broken heart. He can set you free from the chains that you wear. He can release you from the darkness that you can't find your way out of. He can give you beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. And then, and this is the best part of it all, and then he will use you as a righteous planting, an oak tree, a symbol of strength to others so that he can use you to rebuild the ruins of ancient cities long devastated all around you so that he can use you to rebuild the hope in the city of Asheville so that he can use you to rebuild the, the brokenness in your own family and in your own hearts. Just like the angels declared it to the shepherds, I declare it before you today. There is hope born in the town of Bethlehem. And so what will you do? Would you run to him as the shepherds did? Would you tell others about him? Will you worship him on this and every day? That is what I plan to do. I will worship him in gratitude because I am among those fortunate enough to have been told. And I will do everything that I can with every breath that remains in my body to tell as many others as I can that this hope waits for them too. If you're here today and you would like to enter into that relationship with Jesus, to receive that hope, to live in that hope, not just on Christmas, but every day that follows, it will not always be easy, but the hope you receive right now will never leave you. And if you want to make that decision, it just begins with a prayer. It, descend, it begins with a conversation. You just pray this prayer with me. And then from there, we take a journey together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my sin, Lord. Forgive me for every mistake that I've made. I ask today 
that you would just make me new. I believe in you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that your hope has come here. I worship you today. In Jesus' name, all that I am, from this day on, I am yours. Amen. Amen.